When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. It's Midday Madness time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And the number is 1300 736 736. The open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Send through your texts as well. I'll read a heap of your texts out. Had so many yesterday and the day before. And there were a lot that I wanted to get to yesterday, but might even save, have a couple of them still saved for today. 40 Winks Temper Text 0433981116 is that text number. 0433981116. Consumer's Choice Winner Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. But it is Talkback Radio. I'd rather have a chat to you, so jump on the line. The next hour and a bit is yours. Got a few Dwayne's World T-shirts to give away in the opening hour as well. Got four or five of those to give away as well, and then after one o'clock, we'll talk some AFL with Josh Gablich, Juno from AFL.com.au. On well, he's had a look at the Bulldogs training session today. Richmond are training today as well. I think he's going to join us from Richmond's training session at Punt Road. We spoke to David King a couple of days ago after he'd been to Essendon's training session, was poking his head in at Collingwood. Uh, had a spy at Melbourne's training session yesterday with clubs, some getting back and getting back slowly. But some, well, Collingwood's only back this week and they're getting back on the slower side of getting back, just taking it a little bit easier before they go full on. But apparently Melbourne was full on yesterday. They just went hard at it. And it's a good sign to me that they're doing that. So take a few of your calls if you'd like to talk some AFL as well. one 736 736 The open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. Uh, a few Dwayne's World t-shirts to give away as well. And then Josh Gablich and Mark Bickley is going to join us, new SENSA breakfast host. A couple of things I want to discuss with Bix. Um, I think Geelong's going to announce, I think they'll announce Patrick Dangerfield as their new captain, probably in a couple of weeks. There's a few clubs that are about to announce new captains. Geelong is one of them, but they've got a few options, Geelong, obviously, given they've got you know Mitch Duncan, Tom Hawkins. Tom Stewart is an option for them. I don't think they'll name a key defender as captain. I know a few clubs have had key defenders and some great key defenders like Danny Frawley have made spectacular captains. Um, Tom Jonas is a key defender captain. Not many premiership key defender captains of recent history though and I think it's probably more likely to be Patrick Dangerfield myself. That's what I'm hearing but I might be incorrect. Uh, I'm half guessing from sniffing the wind here in Geelong but uh, if you've got a thought because there's a few clubs that are in uh, the renaming of captain mode Essendon, we spoke to David King two days ago about what Essendon might do, whether Zach Merritt's the right guy, whether Zach Merritt actually wants the captaincy, whether he's the, the guy who wants to put himself up as the spokesperson. And you kind of know that Patrick Dangerfield's going to love it. It's right in his wheelhouse. Dyson Heppel, they probably won't stick with Dyson Heppel, obviously. Um, Jack Zebel is an interesting one at North. Is it Jai Simpkin or Luke McDonald? Do they go with Luke Davies-Uniac, given he's probably about to explode as a player? 
Luke Davies Uniac coming off a really good year last year, or is it too early? Uh, have you got a thought on a few of these? Because Mark Bickley's going to join me on it a bit later on. Hawthorne need a new captain. It seems like James Sicily is their guy, but it might not be. He's signed a five-year contract extension, James Sicily. So the writing's on the wall that it's probably going to be him. Captain the team last year as well. Uh, there's talk that Brisbane might go with Lockie Neal instead of Dane Zorko. Uh, there's a bit of talk that Andrew Brayshaw was going to be the guy for Fremantle to replace Nat Fife. But from what we're hearing from WA, it looks like it's going to stay with Nat Fife for at least another year. I'm not sure Nat Fife wants to let it go anyway. So that might be a captaincy non-change, but uh, the stage set for maybe the change at the end of this year. Collingwood, obviously, is a big one. Collingwood fans, Scott Pendlebury uh, is handing over the reins. Darcy Moore, Taylor Adams, Jack Crisp, uh, Braden Maynard, Jeremy Howe as well. I mean, Braden Maynard, the way he plays, could be captain's material, even though, you know, he does play a lot in defence. Uh, Adelaide look like they're probably going to replace Rory Sloan, although who's their other candidate? That's the hard part for Adelaide. I'm not sure they have another ready-made candidate to take over from Rory Sloan, given Tex won't be giving it back. Uh, and Port, well, they could jump from Tom Jonas. I know Kane Corns was talking about them jumping from Kane, from Tom Jonas to Ollie Wines. So that could be an option for them as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join me on the open line, talk some footy, talk some cricket as well. A bit strange, I mentioned to Jules, a bit strange to me that there's no BBL Australia Day. It seems weird to have a Australia Day free of men's cricket. There is a women's T20 international being played in Hobart, so maybe they want to give that clear air. So I kind of understand that that's their methodology, but the BBL finishes the night before, the 25th. That's the last game before the finals start. So maybe they wanted to give that Thursday, as it is now, Australia Day holiday. But that might change, of course, in the future. Might be renamed and put on a different day. But as it stands right now, it's the 26th without a BBL game, which is a little weird uh, to me. Uh, so if you've got a thought on that, David Imernda's on the line. We're coming to your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Plenty to come later on as well. We'll talk some cricket after 2 o'clock with Barat Sundarason. Uh, speaking of the cricket that's going to be on and not on on Australia Day. But your calls, uh, David and Mernda, uh, hold the line after this call. You've got a Dwayne's World T-shirt coming your way as well for kicking us off today. Great to have you on. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, look, yeah, good, uh, thanks. Great, uh, great to have you back. Um, it's uh, one, I think you are forgetting about a great defender you were just talking about. It hasn't been too many captains. There is one, three premierships, but uh, Mr. Wolf Hodge himself, I did think you missed that. And um, I think with the BBL, um, I think the other thing is, I think they just be a little bit cautious, obviously, around the Australia Day and Invasion Day and things like that. I think they're just sort of being a little bit cautious on that mindset, um, just trying to keep it, you know, uh, the distance from it. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, you are right with Luke Hodge. If you've got another option outside of Luke Hodge, great captains who played in defence. Luke Hodge was, you know, a sensational midfielder who ended up playing as a, a great defender and wasn't necessarily a fullback either, David. So I think that helps. Uh, and that's why Braden Maynard could be a good option. But he's, he's quite often going to have, a, have to lock down an opponent. Uh, Luke Hodge often wasn't necessarily responsible for a lockdown role. So, yes, you're right, but I'm kind of sticking with key defender fullbacks like Danny Frawley and Tom Jonas as being a rarity. Um, but, you know, that, that's a, it's a good option. And I've got a Dwayne's Wood T-shirt for you. David, hold the line and we'll let you know. Um, we'll find out what size you want and we'll let you know how we can get it to you. The other, the other issue, I suppose, with the, the captaincy um, is Dyson Heppel played in defence for Essendon last year as captain. And, and are you better off 
with a midfielder captain. I still think you are. Dan in Footscray, you got a thought on Collingwood's captain. What can you, Dan? Hey, Dwayne, how are you going? First time, Good. long time, love your show. Far um, away, uh, by the way, on the text, keep your text yeah, coming through. Right, Steve, right. Nick Maxwell, Collingwood Premiership captain, good call. Shannon Hearn, West Coast Premiership captain, good call. And Tom Harley, uh, Geelong Premiership captain, good call. I like it. Uh, always good when I'm wrong occasionally. Um, sorry, Dan, I held you up. No, that's fine. No dramas. Uh, Happy New Year. And, mate, Darcy Moore, he's got to be the captain. You're talking about key defenders, and I know it's a little bit of a rarity, but... Uh, Pendlebury is probably my favourite player ever, but he's he's got to be Darcy Moore's got to be the, the captain. I love Taylor Adams, but he's injured too much. Do you need a captain who's who's prepared to do all the press though, Dan? As well, is Darcy Moore the kind of guy? So Darcy Moore he's not really a a sport footy head, is he, Dan? He's not the kind of guy who's going to watch every game. Um, to, from what I understand, mate, of I, I agree Moore. with everything you say, but I'm not, mate. I'm I'm someone that goes every week, and I'm not I'm yep. not stressed about press conferences and all that sort of stuff. I just know he'll lead the team the best way. He'll lead the team. Like I know it sounds silly, but honestly, he'll be the best captain. I'm, I know he will, and I hope he gets picked. Bit of support coming through for that on the text as well. Dan, so I appreciate it. Hold the line. Got a Dwayne to a T-shirt for you, Dan. And Footscray, I appreciate you jumping on the line. Keep your text coming through as well. 0433981116, the text machine number, thanks to 40 Winks and Temper. Uh, John on the road. Welcome to you, John. You've got Nick Maxwell in your mind as being one of the great key defender captains. Yeah, thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, look, there was a, a lot of talk back in those days uh, because, he, you know, his skills were probably not his, great at asset, his greatest asset, but... Um, Yes, yeah, certainly led well. Very good reader of the game. So I think a key, key backman can certainly captain the side. And, and in relation to the Pies, uh, and, and I'm a Collingwood supporter, um, I wouldn't have thought Darcy Moore was captain material, but over the last 12 months, 18 months, I've actually heard a lot of the players um, mention that he's probably next in line. Uh, and I initially thought maybe uh, Taylor Adams, but it might be a joint captaincy, I reckon, uh, for the Pies. I reckon it might be... Uh, yeah, they might share the job. I reckon Taylor Adams and, uh, and Darcy Moore will take on the reins. Yeah, are you hearing that from anyone in particular, John, or are you just guessing that? How, how are you sort of assembling that idea as to what might happen at Collingwood? Because it might make sense as well, to be honest. Yeah, no, it, it, it's just through, through all the media. And uh, yeah, I follow mm. a lot of the players on, on social media, and a lot of them have mentioned, um, uh, you know, Darcy Moore. And then when they... When I actually asked Taylor Adams, he said that it would have been, uh, it'd be hard to go past him. But I've just got a feeling from what I hear, yeah, that it'll be the two of them that will share the captaincy. Hey, uh, great to have you called, John. Hold the line. Got a Dwayne's World T-shirt for you as well. I appreciate you jumping on the line. It's nice to talk a bit of footy. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, the open line number. Uh, one here, I don't see Tom Stewart as a key defender. He's more in the Eastern Wood intercepting defender mould who... Uh, incidentally, was the 2016 Bulldog Premiership captain. Yeah, it's, it's the more the key full-back lockdown defender that I'm talking about But because there are so many coming through. I mean, Luke Hodge is a great um, nomination. He is arguably one of the greatest all-time captains and was a defender. Um, but Tom Harley is probably a better example of the lockdown defender that I'm talking about, the, the key lockdown fullback kind of defender 
who was a great captain. John Worsfold is another one who was a defender and a great captain. Um, Dylan Grimes is a lockdown defender kind of guy as well. Um, but, but when you're talking about other defenders like, uh, say, Dane Rampey, it sometimes does help if you've got another captain up the field. And Tom Jonas obviously had Ollie Wines as co-captain for a little while. Uh, Dane Rampey is an example of a defender captain who's got other captains up the field. So uh, there are a few different options when it comes to clubs naming defenders as captain, including including having another captain in the midfield. So you're kind of running with two. Uh, appreciate your calls. Andrew and Nidri will come to you after the break. one 736 is the number. Another one here from Simon Duano. Glad to hear you back. LDU is a bit fresh for captain, I reckon. Jai Simpkin is the pick of the bunch for me for North Melbourne. It will be interesting to see who North Melbourne go with. New coach and maybe a change from Jack Zebel. A break, more of your calls for Midday Madness. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Midday Madness. Let's head straight back to your calls and your texts. If you'd like to join us, the platform is yours. Anything you'd like to discuss in the world of sport doesn't have to be uh, the captaincy issues at Essendon and Geelong North. Hawthorne looking for a new one, but probably James Sicily. Uh, will Brisbane change? Fremantle with Nat Fife. Collingwood obviously need a new captain. Darcy Moore is the guy that a lot of callers and texters are saying is the guy, but maybe co-captains at Collingwood. Uh, does Adelaide change? Because it's not a ready-made captain at Adelaide, uh, an obvious captain to take over from Rory Sloan. And I'm hearing Tom Duday hasn't signed long-term, so maybe that stops him from being an option. Um, and Port Adelaide could jump from Tom Jonas to Ollie Wines. But anyway, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number if you'd like to jump on the line. Uh, Andrew and Nidri, John, I know you're on the line as well. A couple of texts before we get to you. Um, one here, Luke Hodge didn't have a specific player he may end up on. He was the seventh man in defence and he was a loose defender. That's from Paul and uh, you know, I agree with that. That's the way I saw it as well or remember it at least. Uh, even though he was a superstar and arguably one of the great defender captains. Uh, I'm more talking about it. Keep your nominations coming through. Solo, premiership, key defender, captains. So not halfback, zone-offs, not co-captains. That's why you're right. Nick Maxwell, Tom Harley, Shannon Hearn, three good nominations coming through on the text. It would support that Tom Stewart might be a chance to do it, even though he's more of a lockdown defender, obviously, in that category than Darcy Moore is. Another text here. Um, predicting Tom Stewart, Cam Guthrie combo for captains down at the Cattery. And that's another thing I'm talking about. If you're going to have a key defender captain, then could you have co-captains and have a midfielder as captain with him? And maybe Geelong might end up going with three, uh, Dangerfield included. Hi, Grundy should be Collingwood's captain. Uh, they're still paying half his wage. So thanks for that text as well. Very funny. Uh, in the discussion on lockdown defenders as captain based on the idea of Darcy Moore being captain, question mark, he's not a lockdown defender anyway. He sags off, gets easy kicks. Look at the uh, whipping he got from Tom Lynch last year when he tried to play as a lockdown defender. Uh, thanks for your text. Uh, always appreciate a little bit of Collingwood ribbing. Uh, Andrew Nidri, uh, you want to talk Essendon captain? Welcome to you, Andrew. Who's the oh, obvious guy uh, to take thanks. over? Well, this is the problem with Essendon. Um, last year, I thought Dyson Heppel was finished and um, not even going to get a game this year um, in the Essendon side, but I think he might have to stay as the captain for another year and they put him back in the back pocket as a back pocket uh, defender because there's no alternative uh, for a captain. I don't think Sack Merritt 
and Andrew McGrath has shown enough leadership qualities on the ground in games to warrant them being captain. And that's the problem with Essendon. So I suggest they, 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 they try and keep a Heppel for another year and then try and blood some younger players to come up or... Look, you, you know, you're not uh, leadership. You know, you can't be trained as a leader. You're born with those skills. Um, you can get better as a leader, and you can, you know. Uh, but um, if we haven't got that in our team lineup, then we're in a bit of trouble. We haven't got some, you know, really uh, good leaders who can uh, take control um, and, and 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 basically use their influence on the ground to, you know, to change the course of games. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Sam Draper, maybe. He may be eventually. Um, ben Hobbs, maybe eventually. Um, you know, um, yeah. So, Essendon's in a bit of a pickle here um, because I don't think, uh, you know, going on what Sack, a fantastic player, like an A-grade player, and Andrew McGrath, uh, not a bad player. Uh, but, but, you know, what, what are we actually looking for in a captain, Dwayne? That's the issue. What, well, I you think, know, you, I think first of all, I think for no, I don't think they are overrated. I actually think it's the opposite, Andrew. I think a good captain is worth more than most people think. I think having one great captain, you know, Scott Pendlebury's been a great captain. Joel Selwood's been a great captain. Luke Hodge was a great captain. All these guys, I think, showed strength of leadership that is underrated. So sometimes I don't know what that people don't know what you've got till it's gone, and I think that's exactly what's happened at Hawthorne and and a number of clubs who've lost great leaders, and I'm worried that it might happen a bit. Um, at Geelong, what kind of, you know, guy who gets the troops together, Joel Selwood was, um, they're really going to have to name someone who can do exactly the same. Everybody uh, has the captain's back and the captain has everybody's back. It's going to be an interesting change-up. But I also think you can't have a captain that gets beaten, Andrew. And Dyson Heppel is in danger, I think, of even though he's still worthy of being in the 22, there's going to be days where I don't think he's going to actually you know, hold his own or he's going to get beaten occasionally. I think you have to have a captain who, you know, never, rarely ever gets beaten and he's always kind of leading with his performance and his ability to grab the team by the scruff of the neck, not just scrambling, you know, for his own man and for his own um, ability to, to, to have an influence on his one-on-one as opposed to the, the game itself. Well, that's right. And that's why I think that Heppel, last year, I thought he was, he was going to be, that that's the end of him. But, um, mm. but yeah, I, I just don't know if there's a leader in the um, in the camp at Essendon, really. Look, Essendon would know who, who would be have the skill sets off the ground. But yep. as you know, on the ground, um, I don't, you know, like Zach Merritt gets a lot of the ball, but he doesn't influence the game as much as, a, you know, like he doesn't bring plays into a game as, as I wish he could. And Andrew McGrath's been struggling. Um, and he was the the uh, probably the heir apparent McGrath at one stage. Um, but is that is that so the essence yeah, of I... Essendon's struggle as well, Andrew? The fact that you, do, you haven't had yeah. a, a strong leader. I mean, it's a lot of the great clubs yeah. have had strong leaders. One here on the text, don't bag Hodgie. At least he didn't make a career of ducking like Selwood did. Uh, thanks for that text. But uh, uh, some people, you know, it, it amazes me. As if I would bag Hodgie, I said he's one of the greatest leaders of all time. So uh, you can take your Selwood bias away if you like. At least Selwood's gone for you. You don't have to worry about uh, having to text in and bag him every day like some people like to do. Hodgie's one of the great captains. And when you've got a captain like that, Andrew, I think it changes your whole club. If you can have a Hodge, if you can have a James Hurd, it changes your club. Oh, for sure. Look, Mason Redmond 
could develop into you know I'm not sure if he's if he's an introvert or an extrovert or but he, he he's a goer he actually you know really has a crack every game and um, look I, I think they might have to go for dual captaincies which I don't like mm. um, for a year or two to see and, and put three players up and see how they uh, pan out which when so you put three captains up often tells the world that you don't have one doesn't it that's it's the right. that, that's, that's exactly that right. We don't have one well, guy. Does. Yeah. Um, great to have your call, Andrew. Uh, the Essendon one's going to be interesting. New coach, maybe they're going to refine someone's act under a new coach to be able to do it better. But, you know, Melbourne with Max Gorn as well. When you've got a strong leader, I think it's underrated, not overrated. John in Port Augusta. Welcome to you, John. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, what about uh, Greg Phillips? Yeah, there is a time gone... Of, I realise... I rise yeah. to level down and all the rest of it. A slight level down. But Greg Phillips, Jeff Motley, uh, he's more heartbreak flanker, admitting from what I hear. Um, Charlie Sutton and Footscray, back pocketer. So you're going back now. Permission. Yeah, I like the history. He's well known, sport and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah Charlie Sutton. What about, and what about going way back in history? Like I've read the Hall of Fame inductees over the years. All the rest. Jack Regan or Jack O'Regan, the principal back to Collingwood. Was he a premiership captain? I'm not sure if he was a premiership captain, though. Jack Regan, See, the premiership... Yeah, that was, it, was a, it was an era where players played in their position and there was no actual game plans, uh, you know, dreamt up by coaches as to where you're going to kick which time. It was all instinct. I mean, games... People don't realise that football was like that once upon a time. There wasn't a lot of game plan going on. It was kick to the dead side of the ground to, when you're kicking against the breeze. Um, don't kick... And I cross the ground in defence when you're kicking against the breeze. Um, there were there were really simple game styles back then that weren't elaborate game plans as such, where everyone knew the plan, where the ball was going, how you're going to move the ball. So I think it was a lot easier, I think, uh, to be a leader of men as a key defender back then in a game plan free era where it was all just instinct. And you kind of relied on everyone just to do their thing, and really all you had to do was a rev up. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned a few of those names, John, because you're right, Greg Phillips was one of the great all-time captains, and, and we're talking about great leaders of men, and he was a great leader of human beings, and it's no surprise that Aaron's a great leader of human beings as well, and is now in a leadership role at, at Port Adelaide, and will be forever, I think. Um, so I love your call, John. I appreciate it. Luke and Sandringham, you got a thought on the Bombers' captaincy, Luke? G'day, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I just listened to the fellow a couple of calls back, yeah. I couldn't disagree more with what he said about Zach Merritt. I reckon he's absolutely primed to be the leader of the club. He served his time as a, and a, you know, a deputy for a year, I think it was, and a, and a vice captain. And whenever you hear people around the club that have left talk about him in terms of his, his work rate, his, uh, his training standards and his demands on his teammates, I think it's something that the club needs. He's, he's probably played a be close to 150 games now. and he, he, does, he has got some small deficiencies in his game, but I think in terms of the next stage and progressing as a leader, I think, mate, he's an absolute standout. So do you hope they get it done sooner rather than later, Luke? Absolutely. I think it'll come down to a player's vote, where I think Hep's probably passed his time, and Hep did a few years where the, the club was in a bit of turmoil, and I thought he did quite well in the times when he was needed, but I think he'd admit himself now that the time that he moved on. I think probably as an assistant, McGrath's a good leader, but again, again, needs to work on his in his game, but the one that hasn't been mentioned as much, who I think wouldn't hurt to be in the leadership group, even as a deputy, he seems like one of the players' players is Sam Draper. I know he doesn't have a lot of experience, 
But the troops seem to rally around him, and when he can get them up and going in games, we seem to play a lot better. Luke, I don't mind that suggestion, to be honest. I mean, Max Gorn's proven to be a godsend as a captain, as a Ruckman captain, hasn't he? So, I mean, that could be the new thing. It was, it was in vogue for a little while, having your big guy as your captain in the VFL. I remember, you know, a few of those big guy captains, you know, Big Nick, um, trying to think of a few that were great leaders of men. Um, look, Stephen Kernahan was a key forward, obviously, but having your big guy as your captain, I think, has been great. Wayne Carey, centre-half forward, big guy, your big guy as a captain. I don't mind having a ruckman, your big guy, your main, um, I won't say enforcer, but your main leader in the centre square as well being your, your captain. So I appreciate your call. Luke, take a break. Quick break for news. Back to your calls. Midday Mattis, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line. Great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Great to have your company for Dwayne's World. More Midday Madness. Back to your calls and your texts, of course. So many texts coming through on 0433981116. I mentioned having your big guy, your Ruckman as captain. A few coming through. Don Scott, uh, great nomination as well. Um, yeah, enforcer, hard nut, um, lateral thinker and captain, great captain. Mike Fitzpatrick, another one. Uh, lateral thinker, great leader, great leader of men and um, businessmen as well as businesswomen. Um, and he was a great captain at Carlton as well. Thanks for that nomination, Chris. Uh, if you've got one, great Ruckman captain, because it could be Sam Draper. Could that be um, the, the smart move at Essendon? Name Sam Draper, the rising star of your team, as captain. He does look like he's a guy that they gravitate towards. When he kicked his goal of the season last year, everyone got around him. There's a lot of love for Sam Draper, I think, with the fans and with the players. So not a bad idea. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And one here from Jason. Uh, for the top teams, mature players are the way to go, but the lower team, younger players are better suited. Jason from Moorabuck. I was talking to Julian Destoot before I came on air about the thought that this time last year, and if you've got a thought on this, give us a call. This time last season, all the talk was about Geelong being about to fall off the cliff. They were too old, too slow. They'd just been blown away by 14 goals, by 83 points in a prelim final by eventual Premier Melbourne at the end of the 2021 season. So heading into last year, uh, all the talk was the Cats were about to fall off the cliff. Uh, we even asked Stephen Wells about it on this program, and he said, no, no, the plan is to never fall off the cliff. And Brian Cook always said, no, the plan is to never fall off the cliff. Geelong might not fall off the cliff this year either. I mean, you, can you stay up forever? Maybe we're in an environment 2023 where if you get your act together, if you're a well-run club, you can actually avoid the cliff. Maybe the well-run clubs are just going to stay good and get stronger um, and more prosperous and actually draw the good players toward them, like Geelong has done with Jack Bowes again this year. Um, maybe that's going to happen. And maybe other clubs are actually at the forefront of it as well. And that's why Richmond's been so clever. Go and get Jacob Hopper. Go and get Tim Taranto. They grabbed Tom Lynch a few years ago. He became a premiership star for them. Brisbane have gone and grabbed Josh Dunkley and Jack Gunston. Melbourne's gone and grabbed Brodie Grundy. Fremantle grabbed Luke Jackson. Um, Port Adelaide, Jason Horn Francis. So, you know, a lot of criticism with Geelong when they were smashed by Melbourne in that prelim final that, um, oh, you... you Wasted too many draft picks on Jeremy Cameron. Recruiting Isaac Smith was a huge mistake. He's too old. Fancy using three first-round picks on Cameron. Dangerfield's just about finished. Silver's just about finished. 
Hawkins was just about finished. Well, that's why the Cats went with that pensioner joke in their premiership celebration day. Uh, it, it proved that you can stay up the top and maybe they're not going to fall off the cliff. And when you look at the drafts in recent years, uh, which I've done, um, you know, 2021, almost two years ago, pick one, Jason Horn Francis is already at a new club. 2019, you got pick three, Luke Jackson, already in another club. Pick four, Lockie Ash, already at another club. Pick six, Fisher Mackesy, already departed as an AFL player. Pick 16, Cooper Stevens, already at another club. So three of the top six, half the top six in 2019, are now either off a list or changed clubs. So investing in a young guy, maybe not the go. Maybe you're better off using your early draft picks to go and get players that are ready-made and you know what you're going to get. 2018 draft, same story. Isaac Rankin, pick three, gone, new club. Pick 11, Jai Corbell, gone, another club. Pick 14, Jackson Haley, gone, another club. Pick 15, Jordan Clark, gone, another club. Liam Stocker, pick 19. So they're all first-round picks that are gone. Uh, you can go further on the list. Eli Smith, pick 21 as well. Jez McLennan, pick 23. They're gone as well. That's only 2018. It's not that long ago. So maybe, you know, the writing is on the wall to go and use your draft picks, be clever, and recruit guys like Jacob Hopper, Tim Taranto. Because I think we are in an era where the good clubs, if they recruit cleverly with their draft picks, mature guys, they're going to stay up the top by getting mature age players from other clubs because they're great franchises to play for. Jeff in Manor Lakes, you got a thought on all of this and your Geelong captaincy. What can you do, Jeff? G'day, Dwayne. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit torn. Um, I reckon there's two outstanding candidates for the Geelong captaincy. Uh, it just all depends on who the players really think will be the one that will help motivate them, like Silver did. Um, I can see that they will look at Dangerfield, even though he's only got a couple of years left. Precedent there with Cameron Lange, he only played on for a couple of years as captaincy. The one I would go for, though, is Stewart. To me, he is very inspirational with the way he puts his body on the line in that back line. And also, I reckon he really wants it because if you go have a look at the training he's done, he did a lot of training with the younger guys um, at the start of pre-season when he wasn't due back until, you know, towards the end of December. So I think it's a really out of those two. And I'd probably lean to Stuart Wolf, the inspirational value that he provides. I know Dangerfield provides inspiration, but I just think it'd probably be better, Stuart. Yeah, do you think he wants it, do you? Do you is that what you're hearing? Oh, I haven't heard it. Um, you know, he was vice-captain last year. He might, he might not mm. want it, but I just think with what he's done in pre-season where, you know, he set the tone for the rest of that club. Yeah. In getting there, not too long after the grand final, I think it was probably four or five weeks, when the first, when the second, third, and fourth year players had been back, he was yeah. there. And he was spending time with them and everything like that. So, you know, does that show he wants it? Probably not. But, yeah, I, I just think he would be um, the one. Look, if Dangerfield was kept there for a couple of years, that wouldn't worry me either, because he, he's inspirational on the ground. Yeah, well. it's interesting because Tom Stewart isn't doesn't seem to me like the guy who's out there with his media presence as well. Whether he wants to do that, take that step up, I'm not sure. But if he does want to do it, he'd be a great captain. So I agree with you on that, Jeff. Uh, it is an interesting one that Geelong's going to have to work out, obviously, in the next month and a half. Um, you know, they've got so many candidates 
Patrick Dangerfield, Mitch Duncan, Tom Stewart, um, Cam Guthrie, and one here on the text from Carl. I think Tom Hawkins should be captain, well-respected, rarely gets beaten. And you're right about that, rarely gets beaten. And another text here, uh, just correcting me, of course, it's Tanner Bruin that left the Giants, not Lockie Ash that left the Giants to go to the Cats. Um, so thanks for that correction. Need a break? you with Dwayne's World. More Midday Madness next. And if you've got a thought on the recruiting of ready-made guys and Geelong's cliff that might never, ever come now, then give us a buzz. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Because I think there's a few clubs. I reckon Richmond, Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Geelong, I think they can all avoid the cliff because they're well-run clubs who look like they're bound to stay up the top. If not forever, uh, they might not get it right forever. But I think they can defy gravity because they're great organisations. We'll take a break. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Great to have your company for Midday Madness. Keep your calls and your texts coming. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line number brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Drop down and see the team. David, Janan, Aid, Jim, the whole team down at Werribee Kia. They'd love to see you. They've got a heap of new car stock in for the new year and a heap of used car stock ready to go as well. And you can send through your texts as well, but it's Talkback Radio. I love having a chat to you, so one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join me. The 40 Winks Temper text machine, 0433 uh, Plenty to come on the show after one o'clock. Josh Gablich is going to join us. Juno from afl.com.au. He's been watching the training sessions today. The Bulldogs is at Richmond training as well. We've been checking in with those looking at training sessions, including David King, a couple of days ago, had a spy at Melbourne training yesterday saying they were flying, which is exciting news for Melbourne fans. Speaking of clubs that have topped up with ready-made talent to make sure that they keep getting better every off-season. I mean, I know they've lost Luke Jackson, but they have gone and added Brody Grundy and Lockie Hunter. Mark Bickley's also going to join us after 1 o'clock to continue this Who Might Captain, the number of clubs looking for new captains discussion. So I'll have a chat to Mark Bickley. Tommy Greer also, South East Melbourne Phoenix CEO, will talk to us about the upcoming schedule for the injury hit, South East Melbourne Phoenix. And Nick Kyrgios is joining the ownership group. So Nick Kyrgios is going to become a part owner of South East Melbourne Phoenix. It's been reported already that he's joining uh, well, John Wall, Josh Childress, Dante Exum and Zach Randolph as part of South East Melbourne Phoenix's ownership group. So... Phoenix CEO Tommy Greer is going to join us. The Kings have, you know, big-name ownership as well. Andrew Bogut, uh, Sean Marion, Victor Oladipo. So all those overseas stars are wanting to get a little bit of um, the action here in the NBL, which is great news. Um, also looking forward to taking more of your calls with Mark Bickley and Josh Gablich after 1 o'clock. Barat Sundaraysen to join us after 2 o'clock as well. We'll talk some more cricket after 2 o'clock, so looking forward to that. And... Together with Maccas, we're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, Australia v India in Feb. All thanks to Maccas, all you have to do is be crowned the last fan standing. So each weekday in summer breakfast and on Dwayne's World, we'll give 11 cricket questions if you answer correctly and you keep going. You're incorrect, you're out. We'll take the next caller in the last fan standing after the 11th question. We'll have the chance to win and it's a pretty good prize as well. Flights for you and a mate to Delhi, five nights premium, five-star accommodation, a uh, sports lunch with SEN's commentary team, corporate hospitality at the cricket, and $1,000 spending money. It's all thanks to Magus. So last fan standing. Make sure you're with us 
after two o'clock. And uh, we'll take a few of your calls for you to be a chance to be the last fan standing today. A break, plenty still to come, including your calls and texts straight after this on Dwayne's Block. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always love your company for Midday Madness. Great to have so many of your calls come through on the open line and keep them coming. one 736 736 that open line number brought to us by Werribee Kia. So many texts coming through as well. Had so many yesterday and the day before. It's uh, always fun to read your texts, even though some are uh, a little too... Um, well, some are a little too nasty to read. Got a couple of nasty ones yesterday, but uh, that's okay. It's a tape with the good with the bad. Uh, a couple that have come through today that haven't got to. If Danger does not get the captaincy, it'll be a slap in the face to him. Yeah, it will be an interesting call if he's not at least captain, if he's not co-captain, Danger. Uh, I know that he's not long for the playing field. He might have a couple of years left, but I still think he's the right guy to captain the team. I think he'd love it, and I think he'd, he, he likes the added pressure of being the out-there guy. Some guys don't like it. Some guys realise, OK, well, I don't... When I go to a press conference, I'm worried I'm going to say something and all hell is going to rain down on me. Patrick Dangerfield doesn't have that worry. He looks like he's more than happy to take the heat. And I think that is something that captains need to have, the ability to take the heat. A bit like Pat Cummins has taken the heat during this period for the Australian cricket team. Um... Hi, Dwayne. Could the Hawks shock and give Newcomb the captaincy? Uh, will, um, will Day, vice-captain rather than Sicily? Cheers, Alan and Nechuka. I don't think they'll give it to Newcomb myself, but I think Sicily signed a five-year deal. Seems the obvious choice, but, um, you know, I'm not in the middle of Hawthorne as to who would be the right guy, but I'm sensing that it's Sicily. Um, and speaking of nasty texts, uh, Mason Redmond for captain at Essendon is not a nasty one. Uh, Voss, greatest captain of all time, is not Mike Fitzpatrick um, and Barry Round, great big guy leaders, and I agree with that. Yeah, had a presence. Another one here. Sam Draper is the only one that stands out. The best leaders have got presence. Alex from Baldwin. Yeah, I'll read this one out about. Um, was it inspiring when Tom Stewart picked off Dion Prestia? He's an ordinary unit. Couldn't captain the SS Minnow. That's from John. Um, thanks for your text, John. And John loaded up a couple of times uh, here. Dwayne, of course... We would have rolled Geelong in the grand final. We were stiff not to beat them when Stewart took out Prestia. Um, it says cheers, Paul, but it says John on the text. So I'm not sure whether it's John or Paul, but uh, yeah, look, John sent another one through. Tom Stewart's a loose man. He never puts his body on the line. Cheers. Um, thanks for that. So yeah, your, your sentiment is noted by your repeated texts on the same topic. Um, you can lay a bet that there's no way Geelong will win the flag this year. Well, I said a couple of days ago, I don't think they'll win it this year either. Uh, I think the bookies have it wrong that they're the favourite. I'd be, I'd have Richmond, Melbourne, probably in this order actually, Melbourne, Brisbane and Richmond as the three favourites right now ahead of Geelong. Uh, Dwayne, Len Thompson, noted captain of the Pies. That's from Moxter. He got to know Len Thompson pretty well um, in his days as, as a commentator when I was just starting in commentary. He had a presence and what a genuinely beautiful man and I could see why people gravitated toward Len Thompson. He was a ripper. Uh, Brassy, Witten and Sutton were all very, very physical captains. Uh, thanks for that from Hugh. Pipe, I think in this day and age, the way young men are, you need inspirational captains to show them. The way, not so much tactical now. Bombers definitely need a change. Uh, they don't have that in Heppel. They probably did, but Heppel, you know, he hasn't become, you know, the, the dominant force that he once was as a player. That's not his fault. 
It's just the progression of his career to where it's at right now. So that's maybe why Sam Draper could be the right guy. More on all of that, more of your calls straight after the 1 o'clock news. Great to have your company for Dwayne's Well. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Thanks for joining me on Dwayne's World. A few more recalls on the open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. 1300 736 736, the open line number. If you'd like to join me, Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. You can send through your texts as well on the 40 Winks. Temper text 0433 98 11 16. Temper, consumer's choice winner, mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conform to the exact shape of your body. Still to come, Josh Gablich is going to join us. Juno from afl.com.au. In fact, he's a couple of minutes away, so looking forward to having a chat to Josh about the training sessions he had a look at today. The quiz still to come, so last fan standing quiz. And we'll let you know what you've got on offer. Question-wise, I can give you a little bit of a hint. 50 over one day at the National World Cups is the topic of choice for the quiz today. That's thanks to Maccas, giving you and a mate a chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, Australia and India in Feb. Maccas, all you have to do is be crowned last fan standing. Great to have them on board. And each weekday and summer breakfast in Dwayne's World, we'll give 11 cricket questions. Answer correctly, you keep going. Incorrect, you're out. We'll take the next caller and the last fan standing after the 11th question. We'll have the chance to win. But Josh Gablich has been... Looking at a couple of training sessions today, the Western Bulldogs and Richmond, I think, has been on his agenda today. And when are we going to find out what's happening with the pre-season competition? What games are we going to get? We're told that it's going to be only one game per team in the pre-season comp, so not the old two-game competition we once had. So we'll have a chat to Josh about whether he's got an inkling from AFL House when that's going to be announced. Probably going to be Tuesday next week, we're told, as opposed to tomorrow, which I was hoping it would be. One here on the text. Keep your text coming through. Uh, Dwayne, do you think the Pies are a little old? And if they don't pinch a flag this year, their window could be closed. Pendles, side bottom, Cox, Elliot, um, Hoskin, Elliot, Adams, Roughhead, Howe, Mychek, all getting on. Um, from Rugby and Bo Morris, the interesting part to me is that I do think the good clubs can continue to stay up the top. So even though they might not be able to, because of salary cap constraints, I think Collingwood recruit as they probably wanted to recruit in the last couple of years, I still think as a great club, I won't call them a franchise, as a great club, I think they have the ability like Geelong, Richmond, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, to keep getting it right and lure the right kind of players to their club on a continual basis. Uh, because I think that's the realm we're in in 2023. The good clubs, I think, can avoid the cliff. Josh Gablich has been good enough to join me. Welcome to you, Josh. Great to have you on. In fact, he's about to join us, so we'll come to Josh very, very shortly. Um, I think he's on the line now, is he? But, uh, I think he's on the line. Welcome to you, Josh. You, are you there? Great to be with you, Dwayne. Yes, I've just come back from Hunt Road where Tim Taranto has got the Tigers off and running. So footy's uh, not quite back across the comp, but uh, pre-season's underway again, which is good. Yeah, five weeks away from actual games being played, internal trials being played. So we're sort of waiting for the AFL to announce this one-game pre-season comp. Is it going to be called the Amy Community Series? Do you know how spread it is going to be around Australia, what we're going to get yet? I'm not too sure exactly what it's going to look like. It's definitely looked a bit different in the last couple of years. There's 
really just one proper game last year, another organised practice match. So I expect something pretty similar where, you know, clubs come together and they organise, whether it's four quarters or six phases or something like that where the whole list gets involved. We saw that last year. So I reckon we'll see definitely one organised round of games and, and probably a second, which is a bit more informal. But we should know a bit more come the end of the month, I reckon. So we're going to have to wait until that long, do you think? It won't be until the end of this month that we'll find out as opposed to next week? It might be next week. It might be next week. But it'll, it'll definitely become a bit clearer in the next week or two. So, I mean, it is getting closer. We're now just over 60 days away from the season opener. So it would be good to know exactly what that pre-season games look like. But we definitely won't see the three or four games for each club like we used to see. Are we going to see a double header? At Dockland, so uh, two games being played on the same day, so fans can get along to a pre-season doubleheader? It's definitely something that's been discussed. I think it's something that could could happen, which would be good at this time of year, especially with just getting people back into the footy. So I think that's something that's been discussed, but again, I'm just not quite sure just yet how it's going to look. Yeah, because Geelong don't have a venue at the moment. They When they play, it'd have to be an away game anyway, so whether they could be involved in a doubleheader at Docklands um, or Marvel Stadium, obviously. So, yeah, that's I'm hearing that the doubleheader could be on the go as well, so we'll keep an eye on that. If you've got a thought on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you've heard anything about that as to what the schedule might be or if you like the idea of being able to get along and see two, if not maybe three games you could play in the one day at Docklands, um, I think it'd be great. I mean, fans can have a little footy festival of our own before the footy festival in Adelaide. Uh, mid the start of the season. Okay, Josh, what have you seen from training today? What have you been at a few training sessions already? Clubs are some working their way back slowly, but I'm told Melbourne were in full flight yesterday. I was out at North Melbourne yesterday, Dwayne, out at Arden Street. Really hot day out there. Most clubs across the pre-season, they do a really big day on Monday and a really big day on a Friday. Wednesday's a little bit lighter, but North Melbourne, under the new coach, Alistair Clarkson, went through a really, really strong session. That's part of the program across the summer, I'm told. They're going to have three really big sessions each week. And they did some match gym yesterday, which was a little bit surprising given this time of year, but they're straight into it. I think they had two 15-minute halves of, of match gym and some of the usual suspects stood out with Jai Simkin sort of picking up where he left off. But Cam Zerha looks looks like a man on a mission a little bit at this part of the pre-season. Now it's only early. just got back this week. But a few little injury concerns in terms of their recruits at North. Darcy Tucker, he obviously came across from Frio with Griffin Logan. They're both training away from the main group at the moment. I don't know if Tucker's going to be fit in time for round one. He's coming back from, from knee surgery that ended his time at the Dockers. So there's a little bit of a watch on him. Griffin Logan had some osteitis pubis. He hasn't trained with the main group just yet, but they think that he'll get back next month and sort of get some practice matches in and to match him heading into round one. So a few new faces there and George Wardlaw is one. Obviously, so much interest in him during the draft, taken at pick four, had so many hamstring issues last year. He trained away from the main group yesterday. They're just going to be really careful with him because he had three or four setbacks with his hammy last year. So they're just going to be really careful with his program, not just across the first pre-season, but across his first season. So a fair bit going on at North yesterday. You don't often see a lot in that Wednesday session. It's often more of a craft and, and weight day. So it was uh, a bit of a surprise to see so much going on. Any inkling? You said Joy Simpkin was flying. Is he a chance to be captain, do you think? Well, I asked Todd Viney that just before Christmas. We did something with him at afl.com.au and they will go through the process, I'd imagine, in the coming weeks just to make a decision. Obviously, 
Siebel's been in that role, I think, I think since 2017. So a bit like Dyson Heppel, there's a bit of a wait and see because he's 31. I think he's going to be 32 in the early stages of this season. So time might be right with the, with the new football department coming in. And I think Jai Simkin would be one that's really front of, front of mind. Luke McDonald is the other one who's really highly rated in terms of his leadership and been in the leadership group for a while. So I think if they make a change, it might be one of those two. Any style changes at all? It's hard to get you know, an assessment as to what a club's going to do, but if they do it in a pre-season scrimmage match, sometimes you do get an understanding as to whether they're trying to zone more. Anything that you think Brad Scott uh, is going to bring to the table at Essendon, I'll give, I'll give a newer there a couple of days ago. Anything that you think um, North Melbourne might be doing under Alistair? A little bit hard to tell just from the one session yet, Dwayne. So give me a little bit more time. I'll be out there quite a bit at Arden Street. But I was at Richmond today and I was only in there for the 2K time trials. So just got to see how some players came back, which was which was interesting. Tim Taranto is the main one. He was one of the best runners at Greater West in Sydney. And he's gone back to back in the 2K. So made a really impressive start to life at Punt Road. And you go Ralph Smith, who played a fair bit of footy last year and excited a lot of Tigers supporters. He shattered him for the entire run and nearly pipped him at the line. So there was less than a second separating those two. It has to be noted that Camden McIntosh didn't run. He's been the endurance king for quite some time. But Taranto beat him pre-Christmas. So Taranto has really come and made an early impression at that club. And I think he was one of the biggest names to move in October. We can't forget last year, he was really hampered by a back injury. We definitely didn't do the best of Tim Taranto. And we had the, the cloud around him in terms of where, will he, where was he going to play next year in terms of 2023. Obviously, he made the decision in the end and he's made a really, really impressive start to, to life at Richmond. And another one that caught my eye today, Dwayne, was Quinton Narkle. I was down mm. at Richmond pre-Christmas. He's obviously trialling for a spot on their rookie list at the moment. They've got one spot available and he looks like a completely different athlete than a month ago. And I'm told that he had, has had a massive month away from the club and been really impressive. Stripped nearly eight kilos off his wow. frame and and really came back. And they did the time trial today in two different groups. So he was in the second heat with some of the younger players, some of the key position players, and started pretty slow. And he flew home, came third, and ran under seven minutes. And that was thrilled by the way he returned today. So just a little watch on him because I think pre-Christmas, he was far from a lock to get that spot. And he's really made a strong impression on day one back at Richmond. So he's got a month now because the, 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 the deadline is... February 15, it's much earlier than it used to be. It used to be closer to sort of March 15, closer to round one. But February 15 doesn't have a great deal of time to earn this second chance, but definitely made a good impact today. And were you at the Dogs as well? I haven't been out at the Dogs. I went to Richmond instead. So I'll get to the Dogs at some stage. We're going to go to Collingwood this afternoon. They're back as well for uh, their, their first session of 2023 this afternoon. So... Check in and see how Darcy Moore and Jordan Degoe are going because we, we know, of course, they're in hospital pre-Christmas with some, some little issues and niggles. So interesting to see how they return. But they've also got Oleg Markov, who's going to start trialling. He won't be there today, I'm told. He starts on Monday. So an interesting one, again, with the SSP. It's a bit of a fascination at this time of the year, Dwayne. So he'll start on Monday. He's obviously got a, a, bit, a bit of a link to some of the coaches at Collingwood. Craig McRae and Justin Lepage both coached him during his time at Richmond. He played in that VFL Premiership under Craig McRae back in 2019. And I know they're both pretty big fans of Oleg Markov. So they were surprised that he was delisted after just two years at the Gold Coast Suns. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. He's got three or four weeks now to 
have a good crack at getting another opportunity on an AFL list. Any idea as to what Collingwood might do captaincy-wise? Again, this is going to be a, a really good watch because I reckon 12 months ago, Carla Adams would have been the favourite to replace Scott Penderbury and Penderbury going around again was almost a little bit of a surprise last year. So I think in the space of 12 months, Darcy Moore has really made some inroads in terms of his leadership. He's a little bit younger than Tyler Adams, two or three years younger than him. And his past two years from a leadership perspective, internally, they, they rave about about Darcy Moore. So I'd say those two would be the favourites at this stage, but you can't rule out a, a Braden Maynard or a Jack Crisp. Uh, Jeremy Howe, I think, is a little bit too old. He, he, he was a co-vice captain with Darcy Moore and Taylor Adams last season. So I, I think it would be Moore or Adams at this stage, but there are a number of, of options, which I don't think they had two or three years ago. So I think they've really developed in that space. And, and Darcy Moore is probably the one. So I'm interested to see how he returns later this afternoon. He'll be back on the track in about 15 or 20 minutes. So I'll be out there shortly. But I think he'd be the one, Dwayne, if I was picking right now. But again, it's always difficult to assess leadership externally. But from what I'm told, they're wrapped with his last 12 months in that space. Any idea what Geelong might do? Or whether Essendon, whether Sam Draper would be a contender at Essendon? I'm not too sure about Sam Draper. I know Zach Merritt is someone that's, that's highly rated for his leadership and someone who's really worked on it in the last two, three years. Uh, I, I think he would be one that they would consider. I'm not sure it's an absolute certainty that they move on from, from Dyson Heppel. We, we had Josh Marnie on on, the, on a show pre-Christmas and a bit like Jack Siebel. They're not, they're not determined to, to move on just because they've had a coaching change and a footy department change. But I think Zach Merritt would be one and... At Geelong, I, I think Tom Stewart's a really natural fit. He's been in the leadership group for some time now and was vice-captain last year. And alongside Patrick Dangerfield, I think a bit like Jeremy Howe, Patrick Dangerfield is going to be 33 this year. He's just a little bit old if, if you're going to be replacing um, him. So I, I think Tom Stewart, I mean, you think about his first six seasons in the AFL, he's a four-time All-Australian already. 29, he's been involved in that football club for some time now, including at VFL level. I think he would be a great addition, and I know it's something that's that's on his mind and something that he's that he's developed in the in the past couple of years. So I think he'd be a really great fit. Yeah, it's interesting. I I like the fact that you know Craig Bradley took over from Stephen Kernahan. I, I like a guy who's um, you know in the midfield more so. But Tom Stewart, he doesn't strike me. And I've spoken to Tom a few times, but not at length. Doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to be out there doing all the media stuff like Patrick Dangerfield does. And I'm just hoping that it's not a burden for him. Yeah, it's an interesting point, Dwayne. It's, it's, we, we haven't heard a great deal from Tom Stewart no. across the journey, but I think he's prepared to step up. And, and it's obviously not just the media now. There's a fair element of corporate side of things inside a football club in this day and age. And I think he's been conditioned in a way to, to think about those sorts of things. So I, I think he would... I don't think there's a real clear, clear standout. I think a Guthrie or a Duncan or a Blitzarves would all be considered as well, but I just think Tom Stewart, in terms, he could be the option for the next three to five years. The other ones are north of 30. Tom Stewart's 29, mm. I believe, at the moment. So I just think he would be a, a really good fit, but I get your point around uh, having someone around the ball. And Danger did a leadership course at Harvard over the off-season, didn't he? He did. He did. I think uh, Simon Lloyd, the head of football, did the same course so there's a few of them that have that have gone and I think the great thing about Geelong is that they give their all their talent plenty of time off Marco O'Connor's just returned from Ireland after an extended break and 
they sort of just had a little window pre-Christmas to, to get back and touch base, but I think they'll get stuck into it in the next uh, this week and, and heading into February. Any other news you've been sniffing around, Josh, before you hit it on afl.com.au for people to read? Well, I, when yesterday I had Dwayne was Tyler Brown, and this one generated a lot of interest because there's a lot of Collingwood people that were disappointed to see Tyler Brown delisted after five years at Collingwood, obviously a very famous name at that club, and him and his brother were delisted on the same day. So it was a real double whammy for the Browns. And there have been a few clubs sniffing around Tyler Brown throughout the delisted free agency period and the rookie draft, and Adelaide did show a fair bit of interest late last year, but they just ran out of spots, especially because they moved Paul Seedsman from the, the primary list to the rookie list, given everything that's going on with him. So they didn't have a spot at the end of the year. And on Monday, Fisher McAsee retires, and it opened up a spot. So Tyler Brown is heading across to South Australia this week and will start on Monday and they'll give him until Feb 15 to, to earn a second chance. But it's a great opportunity for him because he just couldn't quite lock in a, a permanent game at Collingwood this year and he gets another chance now under Matthew Nix and he's got the best part of a month like Oleg Markov to, to earn another chance. Great to have you, Josh, um, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to you on a regular basis. I love the fact you've been visiting all the training sessions. Uh, it's intriguing to me to watch the next month unfold. David King told us a couple of days ago, and he tells us every year that premierships can be won at this time of year, and I, I actually agree with him. I think if you can get a good load into your players without any injuries right now, hit round one with a full list, it is a hell of an advantage, and we know what you know what a disadvantage it was to Port Adelaide last year when they got to round one. Their prep wasn't right, um, lost the first five games, and the season's essentially over. So, yeah, big month coming up. Josh, we'll talk soon, and look forward to more of your stuff on afl.com.au. Great to chat, Dwayne. Anytime. Josh Gablich joining us. A break. Mark Bickley not far away. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line number if you'd like to join me. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. One suggestion here. If there was a, a two or three game day and night for the fans to go to pre-season games at Docklands, at Marvel, why not play a half of footy against two other sides? Yeah, it's not a bad suggestion as well. It's not really a community series if it's in Melbourne, is it though? Dwayne, get the clubs out to the smaller areas of the country. Essendon v Geelong and Warnable would be great. That's from Chris. Well, we have been going out to the country areas. I presume Collingwood's going to be playing a game in Gippsland again. Um, that's kind of been the spot for Collingwood's pre-season game. I hope that's the case, but you know the regional areas need to know to get their ground up and ready for these games if they're going to be played there. Uh, Sloan will be captain of Adelaide, take it to the bank from Berger in Chatty. Um, that's from Joel. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and keep your texts coming through, and I'll read a heap of them out because uh, so many intriguing texts coming through at this time of year telling me stuff that I'm always uh, waiting to hear and can be unaware of, and we'll broadcast that for the masses. You were Dwayne's well. More to come after this, including Mark Bickley. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. A bit more of your calls and texts coming through for the next 10 minutes. Mark Bickley about 10 minutes away, so we'll have a chat to Bix in about 10 minutes. He's going to join SEN as our new co-host of SEN SA Breakfast, so looking forward to having a chat to the two-time Premiership star. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, is there anyone other than James Sicily that can captain the Hawks? No one jumps out. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, I can't see anyone jumping out any further than James Sicily is jumping out right now, so I agree with you on that. Essendon should have a captain in defence, a captain in the midfield, and a captain in attack like they do in the NFL. 
This is a club that needs to concentrate for 120 minutes and learn to become accountable, and leadership is needed on every line, so I get that as well. And can you let me know when you talk some of the other sport that's happening around the world? Uh, call yourself an AFL radio, do you? David, um, thanks, David. We're going to talk some cricket and some basketball after 2 o'clock. So Tommy Greer, former NBL star turned CEO of South East Melbourne Phoenix, who have established themselves as one of the top sport organisations in Australia in a short space of time, are announcing that Nick Kyrgios is joining their leadership group, I understand. So we'll have a chat to Tommy Greer after 2 o'clock to get the latest on that. Brad Sundarayson, part of our core team heading to India as well, uh, will talk to us about all things cricket as well. So looking forward to having a chat to Barat after 2 o'clock. But David, uh, it's Talkback Radio. You can call about anything you like. In fact, we don't have to talk AFL. If you'd like to talk something else, then you just ring the station on 1300 736 736 and tell us what you'd like to talk about, which Tony and Frankston has done. Welcome to you, Tony. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. How you going? Welcome back. Yeah, good. Hey, great to have you on. Thanks for joining me. No, no worries. I'm not. Um, I'm just ringing up the Roy Gifts on this weekend. Um, been a bit of a hiatus the last couple of years because of COVID and hasn't been on. So uh, anyone getting down the peninsula on Saturday, it's going to be pretty hot. So go for a swim early and then come down and watch the Roy Gifts, some of the best runners going around. So, um, yeah, we've got Roy this week and Frankston this, this week. So well, next week, so a couple of close ones to home, which is good. And, yeah, so now if anybody's down in the morning to peninsula and wants to go and... Uh, have a bit of a look at some of the good runners running around. Come to the Roy Gift. I think it starts about 10.30 and it'll go most of the day. So, yeah, so just wanted to give it a bit of a plug. Do you normally get a big crowd? Do they normally get a big crowd at the Roy Gift? Yes, normally. It's one of the biggest, obviously, behind stall and probably equal with Ballarat, I suppose. But, yeah, normally get a fairly big crowd. There's Wayne, which is really good. It's at Rowley Reserve, R-O-W-L-E-Y, so... Um, yeah, I've bumped into a few um, faces down there. Scotty Palmer down, down there one day and Shane Watson, not Shane Watson the cricketer, but Shane Watson the footballer that played for Collingwood and had a bit of a chat because I knew him from the, going in and having a bet at the TAB. I'd see Shane Watson. I don't know whether you'd remember him, Dwayne. He was probably playing about your time, Shane Watson. Yeah, absolutely uh, I do. Number, yeah, yeah. Bump into him down there occasionally. So get a few people, a few of the... Uh, maybe maybe Ed could come down and sponsor a race or something. He's got property down there or... <laughs> Lindsay Fox could jump on board for next year and uh, see if we can get an extra couple of sponsors. But, uh, no, it's, it should be a good day. And like I said, about half past ten till about five or six o'clock. And, um, yeah, they'll probably get three or 4,000 down there at least, I would think. So get, you've got to get there early, though, Dwayne. You won't get a parking spot. So anyone that uh, wants to come down and have a look. Nice plug, Tony. Give us a call any time. Really appreciate it. A quick break for news. Mark Bickley, not far away. Talk some more AFL, some cricket and some basketball to come after 2 o'clock. So looking forward to that. A few more of your calls. And, of course, the quiz. Thanks to Maccas. So last fan standing quiz after 2 o'clock. 11 cricket questions. Answer correctly. You keep going. Together with Maccas, we're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, India-Australia, in Feb. Uh, all you have to do is be crowned the last fan standing. And a quick plug. Listen to This Is Your Journey on Sunday from 10 a.m. Sam Edmund pays tribute to Collingwood Great and one of Footy's great characters, Billy Picken, uh, joined by former teammate uh, Craig Davis as well. Um, he'll be a special guest thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives, big supporters of SEN. I mentioned we're going to play a, a little bit of a grab of the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, yesterday. I didn't quite get around to it. It was an interesting chat between 
our Prime Minister and Gerard Whiteley during the cricket at the SCG. And there's been a lot of talk as to whether Tassie will come in, how they'll come in, how the money's going to get there. It sounded to me, hearing Anthony Albanese, our Prime Minister, talk about the precinct and the urban redevelopment and the $50 million they spent on the feasibility study at Macquarie Point, that they are going to spend the money, the federal government, on the precinct and they will sell it as a sale, uh, a, a use of money for the precinct and the AFL essentially has to fund with the government locally and the federal government, the stadium itself. But the money will come from what I understand, but there was a little sideswipe as well on the way through for Tasmania deserving a team maybe before the Gold Coast and the Giants. But here is the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, the grab I promised from the SCG test. I only had one question around policy, Prime Minister, that I hope you'll <laughs> forgive me, and that's the Tassie AFL team. So do you have now the business case uh, for the stadium? We do, and uh, that's been looked at by the infrastructure department. Uh, it, it needs to be seen not as just an AFL stadium, it needs to be seen as an urban redevelopment project there at Macquarie Point. Uh, funny how things, uh, if you're around a while, things sometimes come back. Um, and uh, we funded some money, $50 million, back in 2012 for the regeneration of the Macquarie Point site for, for people who aren't uh, from Hobart or Tasmania. It's quite an extraordinary site, a bit like... Barangaroo or, or other parts that have been redeveloped in, in the middle of a city. As you come over the bridge, it's right on the waterfront there of the Derwent uh, and it needs revitalisation. It was used essentially as an old goods line and there's a lot of cleaning up of the site as needed. But potentially for commercial, tourism and if that adds something to it, uh, not just for sporting events but for... Uh, artists to perform there, then that's really what might add the value there. But we're we're having a a constructive look at it. The AFL need to do their bit as well, I've got to say, um, as well as the the Tassie State Government. But I've had really constructive discussions with uh, Jeremy Rockliffe, the Tassie Premier down there. And of course, it would be a very good thing if Tasmania had an AFL team. It's a national competition. Uh, if you're going back a bit, you might have reconsidered some of the decisions that have been made given Tasmania is an AFL state, of course, mm. and some great players, not the least of which Peter Hudson, um, one of the greatest of all time. I'm of, with you there, PM. <laughs> of course, he uh, a, a, great, uh, a great Tasmanian as a uh, many other players as well. So is is $270 million a stretch or a practical number from the federal government? Oh, we, 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 we don't make commitments, not even on your radio station. It's a good try. The Premier would try that. Have you got him? He, he's, he's coming through the headphones there trying to dial up questions. We, we make proper decisions under the government I lead. Uh, through a, a budget process, but we're, we're examining 
uh, the case has been put to us. Yeah, and you acknowledge sort of the emotional tug that there's certainly for a portion of the community in Tassie who have waited so many years to get to this threshold and are, are quite desperate, I think, to know their answer. Oh, of, of course, but we're not talking about something that would commence straight away. And part of the business case as well, of course, has to look at the development of the Launceston ground as well. I'm not quite sure what it's called these days, given stadiums uh, change their names yeah. according to sponsors. But uh, you would need, I think, uh, to make sure that games were played in the north as well as the south. Uh, I'm uh, not a Tasmanian, but I, I've been to Tasmania enough times to know that yep. that's an issue to, uh, <laughs> to, to rival Melbourne-Sydney. It's <laughs> very good. <laughs> PM Anthony Albanese on money for the precinct. Uh, and it was an interesting thing to hear that it's not going to be allocated specifically for the stadium, the way that sounds. It's going to be allocated to the precinct. But it sounds to me like we will be getting it. a stadium with a roof and Tassie will get an AFL team. Your thoughts on what the PM had to say? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line number. Take a couple of your calls. Keep your texts coming through. 0433981116. And Mark Bickley not far away on Dwaynesville. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. A couple of texts that have come through on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433981116. One here, agreeing with the Prime Minister. Yeah, a little sideswipe by the Prime Minister of either the Giants or the Gold Coast, or maybe even both, suggesting that Tassie should have got a team before they expanded in those particular markets. Uh, one here from George from Namurka. I agree with the PM. AFL should have started a team in Tassie before a second team in New South Wales and Queensland. Massive mistake, and it uh, sounds like the PM might be uh, on the same wavelengths as well. Um, in 10 years, why not have a 20th team, AFL team located in the Territory, uh, the Northern Territory Crocs in green and white kit, bring it on. That's from Dean. Yeah, we've discussed that a bit on this program. I think the end game is 20 teams to me. I think that's where it is, and hopefully... Um, It'll happen. George in Sydney, welcome to you. George, you got a thought on the Tassie team? Welcome to you. I think you're with us, George. You're there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, far away. George, great to have you on. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Happy New Year. And, uh, and to you. Nice supporter here. Uh, you know, celebrating a great year. Still in therapy based on that date in September, but we'll move, we'll move on eventually. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the Tassie team. Strong advocate for it. I love the fact that our Labor Prime Minister is a strong supporter of the state government, the state opposition, the Labor state opposition are strong detractors. So there's a little bit of conflict there, which is interesting. But what people fail to see that this precinct is not only going to be the sport, Mona are going to run their very successful winter dark mofo. They're going to run Festival of the Voices. There's going to be so much activation in the Hobart CBD that they've never seen. So it's disappointing that you've got detractors, but you're always going to have detractors. And even the detractors are quietly thinking, this is starting to make sense, but we can't change our rhetoric now. We can't change our position. My only criticism and concern of the current state government proposal is 23,000 seats is not enough. Hobart's growing. Population of nearly 650,000 in the state in the next 9 to 10 years. They need to get it to 30,000, or at least have the capacity to be able to reconfigure it to 30,000. 
So that's my only criticism of concern, mm. is the capacity is not enough. So I'm hoping that the plan is still flexible, that that can expand the uh, the footprint or the capacity for that. But it's really exciting. They'll eventually have rail there as well. It's going to be a very activated precinct. Well done to the uh, Liberal state government in Tassie and the Prime Minister, who's doing a great job. Good on you, George. I've been to Dark Mofo a couple of years ago. It is a great festival, and you're right, I've been to Mona as well. And uh, it is, it's a sight to behold yeah, if you haven't seen Mona. So, yeah, activating that whole area, it, it just, it's a no-brainer. And put a stadium in there with a roof that, yeah, 30,000 sounds like a no-brainer. Uh, Mike in Launceston's on the line. Mark Bickley's also on the line. I want to have a chat to Bick, so we'll get to you, Mike, as well. Mark, uh, great to have you on the line, and welcome back to SEN Breakfast. It's going to be nice to have you there. Former Crow coach, two-time premiership star, and it's going to be a nice addition, even though we lose Kane Corns. Welcome to you, Mark. Yeah, welcome to you. Uh, Dwayne, it's great to catch up again. It is good, and I, I'm pretty excited about this season that's not far away from starting. I, I'm interested in your thoughts on a few of the teams outside of SA, what you think we're going to get. Well, it's been a mention from that previous caller on Sydney. You know how hard it is for a team to get back to the grand final after they've been belted in one. What do you think's going to happen at the top end of the ladder? Yeah, look, it's going to be really interesting because you mentioned those teams that do have a bad loss. And more recently, you think of GWS, who didn't really recover. Adelaide from 2017, haven't played finals since. And I heard you yesterday mentioning uh, Port Adelaide, who, of course, in 2007 uh, got a, a, a hiding and, and took them five years, I think, to, to recover from that as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like for Sydney. The other thing I will caveat, I will put on it is, there's a lot of young players. I think Sydney had, I think, something like seven players under 22 that, that played in that game. So so maybe uh, there's still a bit of growth in those young players and, and maybe they can recover perhaps a bit quickly or more quickly than a side that, that may have a lot of players in their, you know, the twilight of their career who are thinking maybe that was the last chance I'm, I'm ever going to get to uh, to win a flag. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Sydney go and, and also Brisbane, I think, will improve you know, their list with the number one draft pick, of course, Ashcroft. They bring in uh, Gunston and Dunkley. And Dunkley's a type of player they haven't really had in their sort of on-ball unit. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if they push really strongly to take that next step and play in a grand final. Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. You were one of the great leaders of AFL. Mark, what do you think? How important is a great leader? We're talking about a number of clubs needing a new captain. Essendon, Geelong, North, Hawthorne. Um, Fremantle might be thinking about it. Brisbane might be thinking about it. Adelaide's probably thinking about it. Collingwood need yeah. one. Yeah, look, I think it's immensely important. Um, I think you're probably sort of overstating my influence. I think um, <laughs> players like Joel Selwood, I think, in more recent times, and we saw what he was able to do and, and the way he set the tone in, in last year's grand final. And um, yeah, So I think that'll be, that'll be an interesting one, the way Geelong go, because I had a little look at their their list and, and, you know, probably it's too late for players like, you know, Danger and Hawkins and Duncan and some of those players who could quite easily step into that role there. You know, some of them are, you know, 32 right up to 35, Tom Hawkins. So I think they'll probably go with someone just a little bit younger, most likely Tom Stewart, even at 29. I probably think he's got three or four years of really good footy left to play. Uh, so I, I think they'll probably end up sort of going that way. Um and, you know, or, or uh, it's interesting, Jeremy Cameron's another interesting person mm. in that mix as well. He's probably just that little bit younger than some of those other players I mentioned. And, you know, I think has the ability. He's got a bit of an edge about him that, that I think 
you know, leaders need. And, and it'll just be interesting to see whether he gets any sort of increased responsibility uh, in the coming years. Any, what are your thoughts on co-captains? Do you like it? Uh, could it suit an Essendon? Could it suit a Collingwood post-Pendlebury? Um, yeah, well, I'm, I tend to be a bit of a traditionalist, so I think that the one skipper works. But, you know, that's, that's just a pure opinion. And there are instances, you know, you look at, um, you know, Sydney last year ran with three, you know, Mills, Parker, Rampy. And maybe there's, there's an argument for that in that sort of transition period. And you think it, you know, Mills is probably ready now to, to step up and do that on his own. I think that uh, Luke Parker and Dane Rampey are probably, you know, selfless enough to say, you know what, I can just still be a leader and don't need to have that captaincy title alongside of it. So I, I think there's there's a time and a place for it. But, you know, you look at GWS, they have Canelio, Green and Kelly. They're all three guys who are all about a similar age. I just wonder whether you, you just pick one, you back one in and, and, um, and you go with that. So you tend to be just one. It's interesting, with, when I look at Collingwood, um, I think it's probably, you know, I, you know, still side bottom and Jeremy Howe, both capable, but both towards the twilight of their careers. So I'm wondering whether it's a Taylor Adams or a, a Jack Crisp or someone that, you know, like I say, late 20s rather than early 30s they might go with. So I'm not sure what, what that looks like. Probably not as close to Collingwood as others. And one preseason game enough? Do you, do you think we've found the right mix? It looks like we're only getting one competitive hit out versus another club, and you know internal trials organised outside of that. Yeah, look, that's fine by me. Would, wouldn't bother me if we had none. <laughs> to be mm. quite fair, um, you know we see that in in other sports, and I actually think it sort of adds a little bit to the uh, to the intrigue. You know, I'm really keen to see what happens with Adelaide this year, Port Adelaide, uh, you know, Brisbane with that new lineup we talked about, Fremantle, will they continue to improve? There's so many stories this year um, around, you know, even Geelong. Geelong look to have added to their list. What will they do? Will they still have that motivation and hunger with those sort of, that, that group of older players that they have? So, you know, the fact coming inside unseen doesn't bother me at all. And, you know, one game, uh, I, I think probably, I mean, it makes a little bit of sense if you want to have a bit of a hit out. But like I said, if you if we ever get to a stage where we're looking to to change the season to make it a bit more even, a bit fairer, and we're, we're looking to you know add a couple of uh, weeks to the to the actual season, I wouldn't mind if we got rid of all practice matches and just said, you know what, it's a long season. Manage your players and get yourself organised for round one, and let's just see how it unfolds. Yeah, I don't mind that either in some respects, but I do like broadcasting a pre-season game. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the fun of it for me. Hey, uh, Bix, great to have you on. Don't forget, we need a headline a day out of SEN Breakfast in SA, so make sure you deliver on that. Yeah, look, I'm not sure I'm in the cane corns mould, but uh, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> the great Mark Bickley on SEN Breakfast this year, two-time Premiership star, former Crow coach, and great to have you on board. We'll catch you soon, Bix. A break. You're with Dwayne's World. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Thanks to all of you who've taken the time to dial the number and send through a text. Mike and Launceston, thanks for holding for a while. Mike, to make your point on the Tassie team, but I wanted to give you uh, more than just a minute or two leading up to news. Welcome to you, Mike, uh, in Launceston. G'day, Dwayne. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, good. Uh, how's things down there in Lonnie? Oh, not too bad. Beautiful sunny day as always, and I'm doing a bit of painting, so yeah, all good. Oh, um, yeah, look, the, the, 
The comment I want to make, I found it interesting um, in the interview with the PM. That's the first time I've heard the issue of the number of games in Launceston being paid. Now, I'm, I'm self-interested in this. I'm a Hawthorne member, get four games a year. That's about as many leave passes you can manage if you've got things on. And as far as anyone giving details about the number of games being played in Launceston, there's been complete silence. And if the team's going to be a Tasmanian team, it's going to have to play around Tasmania. So, yeah, it was, that, it was just the first time I've heard, you know, any of the big players make some comments around that. And it'll be interesting so to see how you, it's managed. But What, what would be the split? Would it be a 7-4 split? Because you currently, you've got, what, four Hawthorne games there in Tasmania. So it could be a 7-5 split if there was also a pre-season game yeah. there in Launceston. Well, well, I, I think my general comment is if you've got four, any less than that, you're going backwards. And, you yeah. you know, the the, the community's being um, disadvantaged. And, and I think, you know, access to football in, in Launceston is fantastic. Um, it happens in winter, which is the dead tourist time. You know, you talk to publicans and people like that. It generates business for them and brings people in. Now, um, often we... Recently, we haven't got great games because we've got, like, from places like Western Australia where there's no direct flights, but it does yeah. boost the economy, and that's one of the drivers of it. So, yeah, it's just interesting. It's the first person who's actually made a comment about, you know, that, that split of games, and it's been very, very quiet. And, you know, the other thing that I, I have found interesting too is they're talking about building a stadium, but is that where the um, team's going to train? You know, where are they going to have their training facilities and all of that, which is a, yeah. another issue in football, yeah. You make a really good point. In fact, a few really good points, Mike. Oh, a 7-4 split would be the minimum. You would think maybe a 6-5 split, but if it was 7-4, maybe they could guarantee that you get a pre-season game down there as well. And maybe, I'm not sure what the training base situation is going to be, but maybe... Um, Launceston is well-equipped for the training base to be there as well, even though I can always see the majority of games being played in Hobart. Um, but a great to have you call, Mike. Please call any time because I want to watch this one with interest. Stephen Port Arlington's got a thought on the Tassie team as well, given that the Prime Minister, Mr Anthony Albanese, has weighed in and sort of suggested that uh, Tassie should have got a team in the AFL before the Giants and the Suns. You there, Steve? Yeah, how are you going? Yeah, good. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, look, I used to live in Hobart and, you know, used to have to travel to Launceston to go see games, you know, when Hawthorne played someone. But um, for the sake of Tasmania, I think Tasmanians need to get over the north-south separation thing. Like, um, it's a capital city thing to, you know, generally to have a, a stadium built sort of thing. And, I mean, you've got yeah. people in Brisbane... Uh, how many people outside of Brisbane do do a travel? You know, you're talking two and a half hours from Launceston to Hobart. It's it's not a killer of a of a distance compared to the days when they had no AFL and they have to fly everywhere. Um, I just think for the sake of getting an AFL team, they need to they need to put those differences aside. Just accept that it's going to be in Hobart for a while at least. Maybe they can throw up some extra games later on down the track. But, you know, if you want to get a team off the ground, you've got to make it as easy as possible for them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think and I, two and a half hours might sound like a long distance to Tasmania, but when it comes to country travellers travelling to games in states in Australia, there, there are a lot of people who do the two-hour trek to games in Victoria. 
um, because that's what it takes sometimes to get down and watch your team at the MCG or Marvel Stadium. So, yeah, maybe it's a bit more of a regulation thing for us and maybe it's not this whole Launceston versus Hobart argument. But I think you're right. In essence, we have to get over it, or at least Tasmanians have to get over it and make sure that they can do the right thing by their state in general and the right thing by their state in general is getting this thing built in Hobart, even though the majority of games might end up being in Hobart and not Launceston. Great to have your calls. We'll keep taking a few more calls on it, one three hundred seven three six seven three six shortly. But uh, as I mentioned just before the news, Alan Obst has been good enough to join me. He's now part of Victoria Azarenko's camp. He's been a fitness guru, a physio all his life since playing AFL, and he's been good enough to join me on the line. Alan, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Thanks very much, guys. Another, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're part of a long line of ex-AFL players like... Uh, Tom Couch was with Daniel Collins, uh, Brett Stevens as well, Fitzroy Gunn for 133 games. Uh, Todd Viney was a coach for a while. You've been part of the fitness industry for a while. And as a physio, your knowledge base has been tapped into by Victoria Azarenka, which is a fairly exciting time for you. Yeah, very exciting time. Uh, I'm not sure if you should put me in the same calibre of those players, though. Their, their careers were <laughs> substantially uh, more established than mine. But, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate to be be working with a world-class player at the moment in Victoria, so um, really enjoying the really enjoying the experience at the moment. So, what's your involvement, Alan? What what do you do on a day-to-day basis? So, I'm full-time physio with um, with Vika, so I travel with her full-time. So, uh, it's, uh, it's it's different to team sports. You're kind of on the clock for basically most of the of the day because you're normally you're normally living with a player. You're in, in the same hotel and. Uh, so you, you're kind of on the clock, I mean, sometimes, in all seriousness, 24-7. Um, albeit, you may not be busy for the whole time, obviously. Um, it, it's a bit of a bit of a variable kind of um, dynamic. You, you kind of follow her around. You, know, you train with her, um, you gym with her, then you do your treatment. But in, in and out of that, because you're travelling in a very small team, which is very different to team sports, you know, you always have breakfast together, you always have lunch. You, you know, 90% of the time you have dinner together. So, um, I mean, I don't throw the, the, the word family around too often, but it, it is like you're a little family because you, you do really tend to do everything together. That's probably the biggest difference coming from uh, the world of AFL football and, um, and cricket and, and things like that. And I presume that no one's ever 100% on the tennis circuit either, Alan. Someone's always got a niggle or a worry or a, a strain that they're, they're concerned about, something even more than that. You've got to be ready to go you know, pre their event, but pretty to go straight after. And sometimes during a tournament, uh, in the middle of a match, you might get called on for some advice. Yeah, I tend to explain, um, I mean, if you don't follow tennis, I don't think people realise how much tennis actually play. I explain uh, like an elite tennis player is like a, a washing machine that's just on the lowest setting uh, for a family of 10. That, that just keeps going and it just keeps going. Because uh, they they just play so much, and you lose, and you travel, and you go again. So um, yeah, in the, in the world of sporting physio with tennis players, you, you're pretty hands on. You you have to get them up for, for trainings, and then post trainings, and get them up for games. So it's it's just a vicious cycle of them kind of yeah playing and training, playing and training, travelling, playing and travelling. So it's uh, it, it can be pretty full on. Obviously, for the players, more so I'm a, more so for myself. What about when it comes to advice as to you might have to miss a tournament here or you might have to pull out of this event, this hamstring's a bit worse than, than your last one? Yeah, look, we, luckily for me, I haven't had to make that call yet with uh, Touchwood. Where, I mean, Vicky's she's fairly robust. She's a little bit older now, so she's, she's been through it. She's got a fairly high chronic load, so I haven't had to 
uh, make that decision. But um, you know, when it comes, it comes. It's a, it's a part of the nature. But I suppose the good thing with tennis is one, it's non-contact, uh, non-contact. Sorry, um, and they don't really achieve high speed running because it's it's a court base. It's it's, it's smaller. Um, so I mean, generally, it's you know not easy to stay on top of it. But I think it's fairly easy to prevent big long-term injuries. As you said, it's more just about um, yeah, staying on top of the niggles. But as I said before, you spend so much time with her, you're kind of not missing any information. You know, if you see someone once every day or once every two, three, four days, you rely on what they're telling you a lot more than what you're seeing yourself. So the good thing with being with a player 24-7 is you don't really misinterpret any of the information or the data because you're there with them. How were you recruited by her? Yeah, so I was a senior physio at the Redbacks, um, literally next door. You know, she was in Adelaide last year for the Adelaide International, um, right next door on War Memorial Drive. And long story short, I just I got asked to treat one of the tennis players. Um, and at the time, I was literally getting married that week, and I had a bit had a bit going on, so I originally mm. said no, and then I got asked again, and kind of just uh, helping a friend of a friend out. I met Victoria and just treated her neck. And we got along really well. Um, and the funny thing is, uh, she wanted to see me Saturday. Again, I said, look, I'm getting married. I can't see you Saturday. <laughs> um, and the funny thing was, she actually rang me the morning of my, of my wedding to say congratulations. Good luck. I said, that's cool. And she said, look, I've, I'm a bit sore. Can I see you tomorrow? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I, I can't see you first thing in the morning. I'm in the Barossa. So she actually ended up putting her flight back and I raced back to treat her on the Sunday. Um, and I think she appreciated that. She invited me to go to the Australian Open with her last year, which, which I did do. I just took some annual leave from the, my job at the Redbacks. Uh, enjoyed the experience. And yeah, before I knew it, she offered me a full-time job and I just thought it'd be a really good time in my life. I mean, albeit recently married, wasn't great timing with the, with the wife, but you know, pre-kids and all that, I thought, okay, if we're going to do this, we might as well do it now. So did your wife travel with you? I presume you're travelling all over the world? I mean, the, the travel this year has been amazing. I mean, for lack of a better word, yeah, basically all over the world. And my wife, uh, Jamie, she's, um, she's a school teacher, so she's, she kind of stepped back and did some relief work, and she came and went as she pleased. So she came to Roland Garros in Paris. She came to New York and all the, all the big Grand Slams. Um, so, yeah, she kind of just comes, into, uh, comes and goes as she pleases at this stage, which is seemingly working not too bad. And Victoria, what's she ranked? 24, I think, seated 24 for the Australian Open. How's her preparation? Yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, she played really well in Adelaide, particularly the first tournament. Um, yeah, it's a bit good start to the year. I mean, she's moving well. The good thing is because she's a bit older, I mean, she gets nervous like everyone, but, you know, she knows what she needs to do to, to prepare. Things are fairly consistent on, on her end. And if I know anything about sports and performance, generally the more consistent you are, the better things are going to go, and she's she's suited probably more to the to the harder courts. Um, so I'm I'm confident that she'll she'll go fairly well. Fingers crossed. Things are going pretty well so far, but yeah, it's only only early into the year. Alan, great to have a chat to you. I'll let you get away, but I'd uh, love to have a chat to you next week if you can come on again. Uh, for you guys, anytime. <laughs> Alan Ob's joining us, uh, former Central Districts North Melbourne star, Redbacks physio, and now travelling with Victoria as a renker. Uh, we'll take a break. The quiz is not far away. Tommy Greer also not far away. So looking forward to both. Together with Maccas, we're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test. India v Australia in February. Maccas' last fan standing competition. That's not far away. And Tommy Greer 
as well, with Nick Kyrgios joining the ownership group for South East Melbourne Phoenix. You're with Dwayne's well. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Always great to talk to superstars like Tommy Greer, former NBL two-time champ commentator, turned CEO of South East Melbourne Phoenix, who have established themselves as one of the top sports organisations in Australia in a very short amount of time. And so much so that there are some big guns around the world that want to be part of the ownership group. And Tommy's been good enough to join me for a chat. Uh, Tommy, welcome to the program. Great to have you back on. Thanks so much, mate. Uh, it's good to be back. So exciting news today. Have you had the press conference yet? We have, yes. Yeah. So we had the press conference at uh, Rod Laver Arena at, at 12 o'clock today. And as you can imagine, it was a, it was a flurry of uh, activity. And, you know, we had, uh, we had uh, media from all around the globe and Netflix and, and everyone you can think of there. So it was a, a fantastic result. So tell us the story. Has Nick Kyrgios joined your group? He's, he's set to join the group. So he's uh, all, all but done, uh, just waiting on sort of final, final documents. But I'm um, very excited to, uh, to, to have him coming on board and, and looking forward to the, the impact he can have on the, on, on the organisation. So what impact can he have? Because he's got a, a world of experience. He's not everyone's cup of tea, of course, but he does have a world of experience on the big stage. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he comes with a, with a built-in audience. He's, uh, he's got an enormous uh, uh, media platform to, to work with. And, and, you know, we believe that, um, you know, a lot, a lot of Knicks fans are, are like-minded and, and they'll be basketball fans. And so being able to sort of lean on Nick and, and get him involved in, in the club and, and the marketing and promotion of games, um, I think is going to be, is going to be big. Um, sure. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting him along to games and getting him as involved as we possibly can. So we've seen him courtside at many Kings games. I presume he's not going to be attending as many Kings games and he'll be courtside at as many Phoenix games as possible. <laughs> I think that's the case. So he called that out in, uh, in the press conference today. But uh, he bleeds green from, from here on in. And, and you know, uh, like I kept mentioning, we're really excited about it. Can't wait to get him down there courtside at games, causing a stir and, and doing what Nick Kyrgios does best, which is uh, entertaining. You've been a very progressive organisation, Tommy, and as CEO, you've done a brilliant job to be so competitive and so prominent on the Australian sporting landscape in such a short amount of time. Who lured who? Did you lure Nick or did Nick make, you know, um, forays toward ownership, given that you've got, well, you've got John Wall, Josh Childress, Dante Exum, Zach Randolph as part of your group as well? Uh, it's a, it was a little bit of both. So, I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, with, with the... Uh, with the brand and the club having some some early success and making a bit of noise, um, that uh, led to a, a, a connection between our majority owner Roma Chowdhury uh, and Nick. Uh, both share a love for tennis and basketball, and uh, they connected. Um, I think uh, over sort of twelve months ago now, and since then have really developed a really strong relationship and friendship. And and um, from that point, it everything just happened really naturally. You know, Nick's got a real. Uh, deep love of, of both sports, of tennis and basketball, and um, same with our majority owner, Roman Chowdhury. So it all just uh, happened very, very naturally. You said it's about to be done. How long till the, the contracts are signed and the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and will you get into your game against Brisbane State Basketball Centre Jan 16? 
Oh, well, that, that's more a question for our majority owner, uh, Romy, Romy Chowdhury, but I expect it will be done pretty shortly. Obviously, Nick's uh, entire focus for the next sort of period of time is going to be on the Australian Open, and you know, our fingers are, are, are crossed for him, and we'll be watching with with uh, with great, um, you know, great great intent. So, um, best wishes for him during that tournament. Um, We'll absolutely endeavour to get him along to as many games as we possibly can. Uh, Monday night against Brisbane's already sold out, so I'm sure he'll find wow. a way to sneak in if he's uh, if he's uh, if he's uh, got any intent to come along. So um, we'll let him focus on the tennis for the time being, and then uh, focus on getting him involved in in, in the in the uh, club events after that. What's your plan? I presume you won't be sitting on the fold-out courtside seats. There'll be like a Nick Kyrgios royal box, will there? (laughs) (laughs) We're working through that. It's not a bad idea, Dwayne. I might steal that one from you. How about that? (laughs) Well, you've got to have the the sponsors strategically placed behind him because you know we're going to be showing (laughs) shots. I'm not part of the broadcast team anymore, but they will be showing shots of him after every basket, after every uh, basket for the opposition to... The sponsors will want to get behind him, which will be fantastic. You've got a couple of big games coming up, Tommy. You've had injury knock you around. Uh, You're still a contender, and it's getting pretty tight in the middle end of that NBA ladder, Mm. and the end is not that far away. So Brisbane's a huge game for you. Already sold out Jan 16, start basketball centre. Then you head down to, I think, Tassie, Jan 18, and then you're hosting Perth, state basketball centre, Jan 22. So big couple of games coming up. Oh, absolutely. Like you said, we've been sort of struck with a bit of a bit of a run of injuries over the last period of time but um you know that that happens in pro sport you've just got to find a way through that and um you know we're, we're really pumped about the fact we've got our uh, entire roster back for this game on monday night um, we've got a record of 10 and 3 when we've got our proper roster on the floor so we're confident you know we're really positive um everyone around the club is really positive at the moment we feel like we've got a team that can contend for a title um it's just about keeping uh, players out on the floor. And so now to have them all back, ready, fired up, ready to go, uh, sold-out crowd at the State Basketball Centre in front of our fans, in front of the Heartland fans, um, we couldn't be more excited. And any chance you might be able to get Mitch Creek a call as well, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. No, no comment. He does, uh, he does attack, attack the rim more than any player in the league. Um, so, you know, we, we do expect that he would get to the foul line the most of any player in the league. And, um, you know, we'll let everyone make their own, own thoughts on how that, how that plays out. One bizarre part about the NBL is the fact that the squeakiest wheel when it comes to coaches tend to get the most oil from the refs. It seems as if a coach like Simon Mitchell, who doesn't want to bag the refs in-game and sort of hound them, he wants to concentrate on coaching more... Um, tends to work to his detriment because you don't get the cause. Is that something that is not true or is that a is that a fair observation sometimes that the coaches who go hardest tend to get a little bit more love sometimes? Yeah, look, to be honest, as a club and as a performance team and, and as a franchise, we really try and stay away from, from all of those factors. You know, all, all those calls, all those situations, they remain out of our control. And, um, you know, we went into this season knowing that we have... Um, incredible talent, both on and off the floor um, within this organisation. Um, like I said before, we feel like we're a team that can win a title. Um, but for us, it really is just focusing on what we can do um, in order to, to get ourselves those wins and hopefully bring first championship um, back to South East Melbourne. 
Yeah, which would be nice. And your heartland, you're doing well in your heartland as well, Tommy. You've done a, a brilliant job spreading around Victoria. You're playing at the State Basketball Centre, but you've been taking games to the people, which is huge. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, it's always rewarded with, with just incredible crowds. We took uh, a game, a regular season game this year out to, out to Gippsland and um, 3,000 people in that stadium sold out. It was just an electric atmosphere and, you know, something we'll, we'll be looking to, to repeat in years to come. So, um, you know, basketball is a, a massive sport here in Australia, even more so in Victoria and regionally here in Victoria as well. So um, we really do want to take the game to the people. And um, every time we've done it, we've been rewarded with, with fantastic crowds. Yeah, let's hope uh, you keep uh, doing the great stuff you're doing, Tommy, and you get that success. We'll talk soon. Always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Ryan. Good on you, mate. Bye. And jump on the South East Melbourne website. You can buy your tickets. You can get merchandise. You can join the growing brigade of Phoenix support, which now includes Nick Kyrgios. We'll take a break. The quiz is coming up. Quick break for news, though, and then the quiz. Last fan standing, thanks to Mackers. Last fan standing time together with Mackers. We're giving you and a mate the chance to win a trip to Delhi for the second test, India v Australia in Feb. All thanks to Mackers. All you have to do is be crowned the last fan standing. So jump on the line now, one 736 11 cricket questions, answer correctly, you keep going, incorrect, you're out. We'll take the next caller, the last fan standing after the 11th question. We'll have a chance to keep going and win when it comes to the crunch in a week or so's time. So jump on the line now, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of texts before we head to the quiz. Uh, what's happening with Cornsy? I mentioned that he's off breakfast in SA. Well, he's joining Jared Healy, obviously, uh, to do Sports Day every night, which is going to be great as an addition to Sports Day. Also still part of SEN Breakfast nationally with David King on a Friday. So don't worry, uh, Corns, you'll be still doing plenty on SEN and giving us plenty of headlines to talk about on this show. Uh, Dwayne, talk footy all day, mate, especially about the dogs. Steve, thanks for that support after we had a text earlier saying we talk too much footy. Um, Dwayne, regardless of the Launceston matches, the business case clearly articulates that Launceston will still get a minimum of four games plus AFLW games, which means more games uh, the state government is funding $60 million training base facility in Hobart. Thanks for that information. That's from George. Appreciate that text, George, as well. Uh, Tasmania team could play nine games, um, according to this texter, in Hobart. Three games in Launceston with still buying one more game from Melbourne team for Launceston. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. That's not a bad idea as well. Um, add that extra game in Launceston for um, maybe even... Um, two teams to come down during the course of the year to play their games down there if they want to fund it, but it would take government funding to do it as it is right now, taking government funding to get AFL teams to play down there. Another one here. Keep talking footy, Dwayne, especially the Tigers. More Tigers can't get enough. Regards, the Traragon Tiger. Thanks for that as well. Okay, um, more of your texts shortly. Oh, another one here on Tassie. Agree with the caller saying 23,000 isn't enough for the roofed stadium in Tassie. Imagine Collingwood going down there. They'll take 10,000 of their own on the spirit of Tassie. And that's going to be a big impact business-wise as well. Spirit of Tassie now leaving Geelong as opposed to leaving the shores of Melbourne. So, yeah, it's going to have a big business impact always around. Okay, Anthony in Donvale. Uh, welcome to you, Anthony. Great to have you on. Um, let's go. 11 questions in the Macca's last fan standing quiz. You have to be alive and answer the 11th correctly. Question one, Anthony in Donvale. Uh, welcome to you, Anthony. Are you there? 
Hey, Dwayne, how are you? Yeah, good. Good to have you on. Question one, how many 50-over World Cups has Australia won all time? Three. Thanks for your call. James in Macedon. James, welcome to you. How many 50-over World Cups has Australia won all time? Is it five? Congratulations. Question two, who won the first World Cup final? It's a 50-over in 1975. Uh, the Windies. Nice work. Uh, how many times has Australia hosted the 50-over World Cup? Um, twice. Doing well. Australia won its first World Cup in 87, 1987. Where was the tournament played when Australia won it in 87? Yeah, oh, that was in India. Nice work. Okay. In the 2019 World Cup final, England defeated New Zealand via the tie break after their tied super over. Um, what was the tiebreaker used to decide the winner? What was the end tiebreaker they used to decide that winner in that one? Um, after the super over was tied, it was as boundaries, most boundaries in the... Brilliant stuff. Question six, which venue has hosted the most World Cup finals? Which venue? Most World Cup finals? Uh, it has to be Lords. Nice work. Six nations have won at least one 50-over World Cup. Australia, England, India, West Indies, Sri Lanka. Who's the other one? Australia, England, India, West Indies, Sri Lanka. Who's the other one? You are flying. Who was Australia's leading run scorer at World Cups? Which Australian has scored more World Cup runs? And I'll give you a hint, an average of 45.86, I think. Um, Ponting. You are doing so well. Question nine. Who was Australia's leading wicket taker at World Cups? Uh, which superstar Australian bowler? I think 71 wickets. Who's taken the most? Um, McGrath. You are flying. Question 10. You're nearly there. Who holds the record for the highest score in a World Cup match by an Australian? I think it was 178 against Afghanistan in Perth, 2015. Um... um um, was there? Who holds the highest score in a World Cup match by an Australian? How about we get? Um... <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Thank you very much. Good try, though. Uh, Chris in Point Cook, you're in the box seat. This is question 10, Chris. Who was it? Sorry, Dwayne, can you repeat the question, mate? Sorry. Who holds the record for the highest score in a World Cup match by an Australian batter? Uh, no, I don't know. Matthew Hayden. Adam and St Kilda. Have you got an answer to this one, Adam? Hello, Welcome Dan. to you. Is it, is it Adam Gilchrist? Daniel in Manifold Heights. Welcome to you, Daniel. Do you have the answer? You're coming in late. You might be in the box seat. Is it David Warner? All right, Daniel. Question 11. Uh, you continue to go on as the last fan standing 
heading toward a chance to win that magnificent prize thanks to Maccas. If you answer this correctly, which South African cricketer famously dropped the World Cup after dropping a catch in the 1999 World Cup semi-final? Herschel Gibbs. Congratulations to you. You are the last fan standing. Oh, ripper prize as well. I'll let you know what the prize is after the break. We need to take a break. Daniel, you are a contender still for that prize, heading over to India to watch a test with us. Hold the line. We'll let you know how to pick up your prize uh, for today at least and keep your name in the running for the major prize. We'll take a break. You're with Dwayne's Well. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Again, with another chance, thanks to Maccas, to win last fan standing tomorrow and another chance on summer breakfast tomorrow morning as well. On Monday, January 30, everyone who's won across the last couple of weeks will have the chance to win on summer breakfast. Another 11 questions, and if you get the 11th question correct, you'll be crowned last fan standing and win. Flights for you and a mate to Delhi, five nights premium, five-star accommodation, Attend a sports luncheon with SEN's commentary team, corporate hospitality at the cricket, and $1,000 in spending money, all thanks to Maccas. Back to your calls and your texts. Got a few texts coming through on Tassie. Uh, UTAS Stadium also planned to receive its much-needed $200 million upgrade in current public facilities, um, which are aged and unacceptable. That's from George. Thanks for that addition, George, to your previous test text. Um, and got, asked, got Ryan in Cheltenham on the line as well I want to get to. And Baratson to Racing is going to talk some cricket. One here, is the talent pool going to start to spread a bit thin with all these new AFL teams? If I had my way, I'd knock over the two newest teams from New South Wales and Queensland and drop them in Tassie and Darwin. Cheers, Mac. Well, I think in 2028, when Tassie will come in, I think we'll have room and enough talent to expand the competition. That's the way I see it. It's not happening tomorrow. It's 2028, which is still a while away to grow the talent pool. Ryan in Cheltenham, thanks for holding for a while. Ryan, welcome to you. Oh, hi, Dwayne. Welcome back to 2023. Great to be on. Uh, Dwayne, I'm just calling to wish um, my team, Melbourne United, they play in New Zealand today against the uh, number two team on the ladder, the New Zealand Breakers, and it's a do-or-die game. Both teams have got players out, and um, we hope for the best. So struggling a bit this season, though, Ryan, and it's uh, not something that your fans are used to. No, it's not something that we're used to, but um, different technique, different style, same result. That's what we're going for. Okay. Well, there's a bit of climbing to do because at the moment uh, you're not even part of the playing tournament. But by the way, South East Melbourne, the, last, the bottom four on the ladder, South East Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane and Illawarra, but there's a big gap between Melbourne United and Brisbane and Illawarra. So uh, Brisbane and Illawarra are essentially the only two teams who can't win it right now. Hey, great to have you call, Ryan. Give us a call regularly during the year. Brad Sunderason has been good enough to join us, part of the SEN commentary team for a number of years now, housed in his beautiful hometown of Adelaide, heading over to India to be part of our coverage there. And he's been good enough to join me for a couple of minutes. Brad, welcome back. Great to have you on the show. Always a pleasure to have a chat with you, Dwayne. Looking forward to what's going to happen between Australia and India in India. I'm intrigued to pick your brain to find out how many of these spinners will end up getting a game in the first test and who they might be. Um, Ashton Agar seems like he's first in the queue, but do you think there might be a chance that Amit Swepson or Todd Murphy might be a surprise call-up? 
Uh, oh, I mean, for Australia's sake, uh, <laughs> they wouldn't want all four to play uh, or all mm. four to get a test match. That would uh, be a crisis. <laughs> uh, mm. And I mean, like, through the series. Uh, yeah. Uh, three would be good. Three would be good. Uh, look, Nathan Lyon will, of course, play all four test matches. And uh, I, I still think playing a test match in Australia, in India, without a left-arm spinner... Um, is a risk. You want someone who can who can kind of be consistent, hit hit the same spot over and over again. Uh, but it is an intriguing prospect to have two class spinners play together. And Todd Murphy, though young, uh, has been so impressive, and uh, he has just the kind of skills that will make him very successful in the subcontinent. So uh, it's good. It, it's re- really, really uh, something I'm looking forward to seeing. Like what spin combination Australia use at the start and as the series develops. So we have had success in India before, it was a long time ago, with you know basing our whole attack on the quicks. So you know what the pitchers are going to do this time around. What are you expecting? And is that the advantage that India is going to have, given that, I mean, they might, if Ashton Agar doesn't find his mojo, you know, that, that might be a vulnerable area for Australia. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, if you are picking uh, a spinner, uh, whether you're picking two or three, uh, one thing uh, you do expect from your spinners is uh, to, to have a game plan and stick to it. And going back to that 2004 series when, when Australia did win, uh, like you said, they depended a lot on their their fast bowlers. Uh, but Shane Warne, despite not taking a bag full, played a big role. I mean, he kept the pressure on from, from one end. But one thing Australia did really, really well in 2004 was, uh, like I said earlier, have a game plan and they never... This, regardless of what the pitches played like, they never moved away from it. And, and even though there's this expectation that all these pitches will turn in India this time around, it's an interesting time of the year for very different venues. Nagpur, there's always reverse swing. There can be a ranked turner. Uh, Delhi at this time of the year will be will be cool, foggy, so the seamers could come into play. Similarly, in Dharamshala and Ahmedabad will be dry and that could well be the rank turner that we're expecting. So it's not going to be very straightforward. It's not going to be just one-way traffic, uh, which just adds to the excitement of the series. Do you think we might get a bit of a shock? India are pretty good. We expected South Africa to be better, but we've just demolished the West Indies and South Africa. This is a pretty big test coming up. Uh, it's a massive test. And I think a test that this current team, current Australian team will enjoy. For a lot of them, this is their their final chance to win in India. And we've heard Steve Smith and David Warner talk about how much it means to them, uh, just the possibility of winning a test series in India. Uh, Australia don't go there for four years after this. So uh, that that adds to it. Uh, that adds to the uh, to the importance of the significance of this series. Uh, but look, India are in, in a weird stage as well as a test team. I mean, their batting order is still in a state of flux. Uh, a lot of key guys coming back into the side. Uh, so, no, I think this... I, I, I will stick my neck out and say this is Australia's best chance in a long time to win a test series there just because of uh, the, the arsenal they have and also where India are right now uh, you know, with their test cricket. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Can't wait. I know you're going to be part of the coverage. So when are you heading over? Uh, but I think I'll be there uh, once we figure out exactly where the Australian team will be landing and what their movements are for the uh, for the first few days. All I can say, though, that there are no almond lattes in India. 
<laughs> which I would enjoy buying you if I was over there. Not that I bought you an Armand Latte. Of course, I went to the <laughs> media centre to make sure your Armand Lattes were ready to go every time my stint was ready so I could walk in with one and uh, they made a good Armand Latte. You might have even converted me, Barat. Not quite, but maybe I might end up becoming an Armand Latte guy. Great having you on the show, Barat. It was great working with you at the SCG and we'll talk soon. Absolutely, and always an absolute pleasure talking to you, Dwayne. Have a great day. Barat Sundaraisen, one of our premier commentators who is good enough to join us in India again after being part of our summer on SEN. Take a break. Back to wrap up this hour, by the way, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Been great to have your company for Dwayne's World today. Back for Dwayne's World tomorrow at midday. So midday matters again tomorrow at midday. Put that number in your phone and give me a call again tomorrow. And we'll take your calls on anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss. Doesn't have to be AFL. Doesn't have to be cricket or tennis. Anything in the world of AFL, cricket, tennis, basketball. Uh, we had a little bit of athletics earlier today as well. So jump on that open line tomorrow and bring it to our attention. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. that open line Thanks to Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. And David, Janan, Aid, and Jim and the whole team would love to see you down at Werribee Kia. The 40 Wings Temper Text machine as well has been going crazy today. Consumer's Choice winner temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Uh, one here. Can't wait for Geelong to have to play a final in Tasmania and then complain that their members can't go because the stadium is too small. Daz? In officer, well, it won't be until 2028 uh, at the earliest, but uh, I like your, your sentiment. Very funny. Uh, one here from Sam in Hobart. I live in Tasmania and support a Tasmanian team in the AFL, but here's reality. Auskick participation rates in Greater Western Sydney are five times what they are in the whole of Tasmania. So whilst it seems like Tasmania deserve a team over uh, Greater Western Sydney, there's still a lot more boys and girls playing football each week in that area. And there are in Tasmania. Sam in Hobart, thanks for that text as well. Uh, look out for LDU, Luke Davies Uniac. This year, North Melbourne Footy Club is going to tear up the midfield this year. Get your taggers ready. Thanks for that. I'm excited about LDU as well. And one here saying there's no way known it's a good idea to have Nick Kyrgios part of your ownership group. Um, thanks for that, Bill. I appreciate your text as well. But yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea by South East Melbourne Phoenix. So great that Tommy Greer was able to jump on the program. This hour of the program brought to us by Tobin Brothers Funerals. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Stick around, plenty more to come on SEM. But back tomorrow for more Midday Madness and Dwayne's Watt at 12. Join me there.